Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. But, uh, Father, I, knew, I, do, I do know that you're the giver of every good and perfect gift. I know that you abide faithful. You can't be unfaithful. It's impossible for you to lie. It's impossible for you to ever be shown to be unfaithful or unworthy. You're altogether good. You truly are perfect in all of your ways. And we do thank you, Father, again and again and again, that this word that we have in this book called the Bible, it truly is a tool of transformation that really does take us from faith to faith, from strength to strength, from glory to glory. It does everything. It changes everything. Then we come to know Jesus himself as the friend that he is. The Savior, yes, the Redeemer, yes, the Healer, yes, the Provider, yes, but the Friend is what amazes me the most, I think. Just the fact that you are so willing to show yourself to each and every one of us as a friend. Just somebody that will sit in a chair next to you and talk and smile and laugh and talk about serious things, talk about silly things even. You're just a friend, but the most incredible friend that there could ever be. So, Father, we do give you thanks this day. This is the day that you've made. We're going to be grateful in it. And I do pray that each and every one of us truly do acknowledge you throughout the day, throughout every day, and just allow you to do what you want to do with each and every one of us. So, Father, this morning now, as I look to some of these verses, I pray that you will truly enlighten our spirit and open our ears to hear afresh a truth that we speak too often but still isn't realized by so many. So help me, I pray again. I need you totally, Holy Ghost. Please anoint these things. I know your word's anointed, but anoint our ears to hear and to actually receive your truth, not a man's speaking, but your truth about some of these incredible, incredible things that our Jesus has done for us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, um, one of the things that I, you know, well, I'm going to give you, I've, I've got, this is half of me this morning, and I got really inspired by something I heard Robert Morris share last Wednesday, I think it was, on on uh, something about, he's doing a series called um, something about perfectionism. He made me laugh. He said, you know how you can tell who a perfectionist is? He said, the number one way you can tell a perfectionist is if you ask them if they're a perfectionist, they say, I'm absolutely not a perfectionist. I'm perfectly sure I'm not a perfectionist. You have to catch that. But anyhow. But our God is a perfect God. But I, I want you to, I just want to go. So anyhow, I'm going to share some things, get to it. But one of the first things I thought of this morning was just how when you really look at the life of the Lord Jesus and we're to copy him, we're to follow him. I, that's like a, you've heard me say, I don't even say I'm a Christian much anymore. I tell people that I'm doing my best to be a follower of this man, Jesus. And the thing I love about him the most, I see him sitting at a dinner table with people. And, you know, I sat with sinners and all of this. And it really struck me that he, um, he made us feel that we belonged before we behaved. <laughs> 
You know what I mean? We've, he does that. If you hang around him a bit, you start to feel like you belong. He doesn't talk to you. He doesn't talk to, he really doesn't. If you really look at the scriptures, the people he gets upset with, remember, are religious people. But sinners and what have you hardly ever mentions sin, hardly ever mentions their behavior, talks to them about the kingdom and how good his father is. So that just really struck me. So anyhow, I'm going to go through a couple of very familiar scriptures first, but couldn't do it anyhow. But I'll just quote. The first one is the one that I quote often. It's 1 Corinthians 15, 34. Uh, and um, I'm, a lot of the scriptures today actually are going to be from the New King James instead of the Amplified. But 1 Corinthians 15, 34 is the one that says, yeah, that's good. It says, awake, awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. And he said, I speak this to your shame. Now, again, I quote this verse a lot because it's meant a lot to me over the many, many years that I've studied the scripture and tried to follow the Lord. But I don't know if there's any more important message. You know, the love. See, everything springs from love. Everything does spring from Father's love for us. Everything. But you have to see what you, but coming to the place where you actually believe what love has accomplished through Christ is something that we continue to deal with every single day of our lives. And even all of these years, all the people that I know that have been among people who quote unquote are word people, when you watch them and you get to know them, you realize they still don't have the great, the great, great revelation that you don't get better by always trying to get better. I'm going to let that just saturate for a bit. When it's really all said and done, you really don't get better by working hard to get better. You get better when you awake to the truth that because of simple faith in this man, Christ Jesus, that absolute harmony with heaven has entered into your life. I am in perfect harmony with heaven right now. I have right standing with God right now because of my faith, because I believe, I believe I don't work. I believe I don't work. I believe that Jesus is the son of God. I have confessed that. I have spoke that to the ether. I have said it out loud. But this is why Paul says you, you need to wake up. The thing, what does he say? Awake to righteousness and do not sin. You parse that in this Greek, and it's, it's, it's so clear. It simply says, if you, the power to break the power of sin is you walking in the revelation that God has made you right by your belief. Fighting sin only increases the, pretense, the propensity to sin. I'm going to say that again. Fighting sin only increases the propensity to sin more because it keeps you sin conscious. You're always, always, always looking for areas that need to be fixed. And it's not that there aren't areas to be fixed, but again, 
the way they get fixed is by recognizing what God has done in Jesus. The way they get fixed is when you realize that he's made you good through faith. You're good with God. Right now, you are good with God. And I've said this probably even the last time I was here, but remember it is true. You're not right this moment. If you haven't confessed faith in Jesus Christ, it's so easy to say things, but to really hear them. You will not be in any greater standing with Almighty God when you enter into heaven than you are right now. You're right with God. You're right with God. See, that makes, that changes everything. It just changes everything. So that's one of the first basic scriptures that I want to read. And then, of course, the next one is Romans 2, 4. You know, that I, 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 one of my premier verses, speaking of love walk, where Paul simply says, are you unaware of the fact that it's the goodness? Everybody say goodness. But see again, you hear this. It's the goodness of God. Here in the New King James says, do not despise the riches of his goodness, his forbearance, his long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God is what leads you to change the way you live. So, I mean, how can we get any clearer? What makes your, you change, what causes you to have the power to say no, do you hear me? Stay with me. What really allows you, causes you, empowers you to say no to the stuff that's not good is to know the good of God. I, I, you know, sometimes you feel like you're beating a dead horse, don't you, when you keep saying the same things over and over again. But you have to actually wake up to the, it's the goodness of God. You need to still find out how good God is because God is so good and has been so good to you and I that it's very hard to believe. Let's face it. It's very honestly difficult to believe that he's that good, that I'm right with him when I'm so aware of areas where I still have weaknesses. But I, I don't know if you know this, but none of you are ever going to get perfect on this side of heaven. You're never going to be, as it were, perfect. But perfection is something that people strive for even when they th don't think they're striving for it. Because it really frustrates you when you don't do things, quote-unquote, as well as you know that you might be able to do them. So you start putting great pressure on yourself. And that's what leads to stress. And stress on the outside causes all, problems, all, all manner of problems on the inside, medical scientists tell you. It's big time. Stress. Anyhow. And uh, but another basic verse, again, is Colossians 1.13. It basically says that in Christ you are complete. Now, you're going to understand why I'm sharing that verse in a few minutes. That you are complete in him. Everybody say complete. You're complete. What's complete mean to you? Deji, what's complete mean? There you go. That's almost exactly what I'm going to share in a few minutes. He's been cheating. He's been seeing what I'm writing. Hallelujah. We're complete. Everybody, let's just say I'm complete in Christ. I'm complete. I'm, I'm completed. I am. Thank you, Sammy. That's right. I'm complete. 
I'm complete, all right? And I want you to turn, actually, if you would, to Colossians chapter 2, just for a moment. Sorry, I've got to figure this out here. Colossians. It's always one of these trips when you're holding the mic, but it's okay. This thing about being better, because I want to talk about perfect a little bit or perfected, basically. But in Colossians 2, I'm going to read uh, in verse 16. I'm going to start reading Colossians 2, verse 16. It's incredible. You know, Colossians is one of the major epistles that speaks so strongly. Can I go ahead and just read verse 15 anyhow, just because I want to? God disarmed the principalities and powers that were ranged against us and made a bold display and a public example of them and triumphing over them in him and in at the cross. Is that true or not? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's cool. But is it true? See, ask yourself questions when you read some of these. Do I actually believe this is true? Has God disarmed? So I, I want to s- submit a thought to you. If this is true, that God has disarmed the principalities and the powers that are ranged against us, I want to submit to you that Satan is your greatest enemy. Your greatest enemy is your belief system. God the Father, with all of his love, cannot go beyond your belief system. Now really, really, don't just let these things go in one ear and out the other. It's your belief system It is your belief system that truly defines your future. That truly defines whether you walk in a greater or lesser degree of life that's meant to be abundant. It's all about your belief system. But the real issue is not what you believe about God, it's what you believe about you. What you really believe about you. So please understand that one of the greatest strategies of the evil one is indeed is to get you to concentrate on you. To think on what you could do better, what you should do better by what you don't do as good as you could, whatever. He wants you to be self-aware more than Christ-aware. He wants you to, please hear that. It's your belief system. It's not Satan. God, I'll just read it again. God disarmed. I don't think he's lying. I just don't. God disarmed the principalities and the powers that were ranged against us and made a bold display, a public example over them when he triumphed over them in Jesus and in at the cross. But here's where this thing comes about being better or being perfect, because I just felt I needed to add this scripture before I went further. It says in verse 16, Therefore, don't let anyone sit in judgment on you in matters of food or drink or with regard to a feast day or a moon or a Sabbath. And basically what he's saying is don't let anybody, don't let anybody begin to talk to you in a way that you start to think that you'll be better if you do certain things on certain days, or if, in other words, there has to be a list of things you have to do to be okay. 
Anytime somebody keeps telling you and giving you a list of things you need to do to be okay, they're falling away from grace. I said they're falling away from grace. And whether you like it or not, whether people have butchered the message or not, does not make any difference. It's still the grace of God that's the major issue, topic, subject of the whole new covenant that God has cut with us through Jesus Christ. It's grace, undeserved, unmerited, total, absolute favor with God, based not upon my behavior, but based upon my belief in Christ's behavior. And my receiving him and saying yes to him, I believe that you paid the price. I believe that you really did redeem, pay the price necessary, that you paid for not only my sin, my sickness, my disease, my poverty. You took care of that, excuse me, at the cross. You did. It is indeed a finished work. Finished. Okay? And then he goes on to say, verse 17 here, Paul says, such things, in other words, when people start giving you lists of stuff to do, such things are only the shadow of things that are to come, and they only have a symbolic value. In other words, Lists are okay if lists, well, don't become something that you depend upon for your goodness. Such things are only the shadow of things that are to come and they have only a symbolic value. But the reality, the substance, the solid fact of what is foreshadowed, the body of it belongs to Christ, nothing else. And then verse 18, he says, So let no one defraud you by acting as an umpire and declaring you unworthy, declaring you unworthy and disqualifying you for the prize because they constantly insist that you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this, you need to do that, and you need to do this to be a real Christian. You need, you need, you need, you need. Then listen to it. They insist on self-abasement. What's self-abasement? Punishing yourself, getting down on yourself, always looking at yourself, self, 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 self. It's about, you know. Now, see, again, we're not, now watch right now, we're already some brains and stuff, but you need.